Hey, Patrick, thank you very much for coming on. Um, would you be able to introduce yourself and tell us about your journey into Web3 and especially how, how much work you do with the Cardona blockchain? Yeah, hey, hi, nice to meet you. Um, so yeah, I, I got into the cryptocurrency space around 2017 during the bullish market phase. So everyone was really hyped up about those things. And obviously I got in there uh, as a way to make money. And that's most people get into this stuff. Uh, but, you know, going down the rabbit hole, you you start understanding that there's much more behind this. And it's actually a new way of, of uh, transacting, of storing value, of, you know, moving around money. And in a, it's in a way which is without intermediaries. So it's, a, you know, a decentralized way of, of moving value. And I think this is really good because we, we had, problems in the past of you know government stepping in or banks stepping in and you know telling people look your savings are gone and like what do you mean they're gone well we went bankrupt so you know these things happen when whereas with technology enable a way to uh, have essentially the same services but you rely on on a protocol which is something that's hard-coded in the in the system it's not something that can be changed at will uh, so i think that that attracted me a lot especially since you know the bullish phase after 2017 ended and then there was like a long period of, of you know stagnation in the in the space as far as the you know prices go but in the meantime there was a lot of development going um so for me like i wanted to stay in the space so i actually found a job as a translator for the cryptonomist mm -hmm. it's a, it's a magazine who like they're they, they have mostly italian authors so i'm translating a lot of the content into english and that got me like you know every day i was working and learning about that stuff and like i managed to have it as a as a, a job so that was you know quite a good uh, you know positive feedback loop and yeah and down now, going down that road, I was learning about, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum, all these different blockchains. And as a person who cares about the environment, the fact that Bitcoin and Ethereum consume a lot of uh, energy was quite a big red flag for me. So I kept on to that, you know, research and that got me into uh, currently the Cardano blockchain, which I think has a really nice ethos and community. And I see in, in their methodology something that can actually, you know, work for a really, really long term. And it's not, they're, they're not using a consensus mechanism that depends on electricity use. Uh, so that's a good thing because it would, you know, it's environmentally friendly. They usually like tell people, look, Cardano is, is environmentally friendly. It doesn't use a lot of electricity. Um, so yeah, I think I, I'll just pa pass it on to you from here. Yeah, no, so it was um, actually one of the, co-founders of ethereum that started up cardona right so he must have mm -hmm. taken like the best bits in his opinion of like the security elements of ethereum and then he's just made it can you explain like proof of stake to people and why that makes um transactions more environmentally friendly Definitely. So, so yeah, as you mentioned, Charles Hoskinson was, was one of the co-founders of Ethereum. And uh, I, I really don't know like the backstory of everything that happened there, but essentially like, from what I learned, there were different philosophies of how to approach the space. And so Charles Hoskinson went his own way. He, he set up um, a for-profit uh, company called IOHK. I think they're rebranding to IO, IOG now in Input Output Global. And they started like building stuff for, for different, you know, uh, blockchains and different uh, solutions, like technological solutions. And then he co-founded um, Cardano. I mean, he founded Cardano. And essentially from, it's, there's this difference between proof of work, proof of stake, which is not really easy to, to understand. And it's even harder to explain, but the gist of it is essentially like 
for 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 the proof of work uh, for proof of work blockchains like Bitcoin or or Ethereum currently, essentially people are using their computer power to solve this magical puzzle and if you solve the puzzle you get the reward so there's a, a sort of arms race you know the more you the more computing power you have the more chances you have to solve the puzzle and then get the reward so people are building specific um, machines called asics uh, and they're like specifically done for for resolving that puzzle and that consumes a lot of electricity because you're you know pumping these, these machines and they have to work non-stop and a lot of people are saying, okay, we could use renewable energy. And th that might be an option down the line. But there's also the aspect I think not a lot of people are talking of e-waste. These machines, they get they get used up. And That's when true. they get I used up... I haven't heard that before. Um, don't know why. Yeah, just yeah. are you talking about like recycling the elements in the computers? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And mm. it's really hard to to sort of like recycle certain uh, certain parts. It's it's the problem we have with, you know, old iPhones, old, uh, old computers and stuff like that. And that's, you know, that usually ends up in landfill. So that's, uh, uh, that was a big red flag for me, even if we move to renewable energy that would still consume. And the, the fact with with Ethereum and Bitcoin is that since it started the way, it's really hard now to change uh, this sort of consensus mechanism. And it works in a way where the more people use it, the more it consumes electricity and obviously there are aspects like fees are higher and stuff like that. Whereas Cardano's approach, um, so it's essentially using a different consensus me mechanism, which is basically a way of managing to have all the same history of the blockchain on all different computers and have it verified you know, live and have these transactions added for all the different computers. So you have to have this sort of consensus mechanism. And with proof of stake, it works basically you have some stake in the system. So Cardano's cryptocurrency is called ADA. And you're basically staking this ADA in an attempt to, uh, for example, if, you, if you're a stake pool operator, you have this ADA staked, you're trying to attract other people to delegate to you as a stake pool. And the more stake you have, you're participating in this sort of lottery, which the higher stake you have, the higher the chances of solving or, or of winning the lottery, which is analogous to solving the puzzle in, in proof of work. And that gets you the reward. Uh, they obviously thought about different things. For example, what if there's a st stake pool who has really, really a lot of delegation and it attracts all the, you know, it has the highest chance of winning. And there's actually a, a point where every stake pool reaches a saturation level. And as soon as it reaches that, it has lower chances of producing blocks. So they're trying to make wow. it the, the fairest possible way. And there are different aspects like that go into it. There are different parameters that get changed uh, through votes from the community. So Cardano is now working on its, um, I think, last phase. Uh, it's called the governance phase. I, th I think they named it after Voltaire. And in that phase, they're going to sort of like give the community the, um, the power to, for example, okay, we want to change this parameter because it affects that and that. And if most people vote for that parameter change, that will uh, be enacted and, you know, it's, it's the community that's deciding for that. Um, yeah. So I think I, I think I would explain it this way. I don't know if you maybe want to uh, expand on something. No, it's, that's, I, I'm just um, learning about stake pools specifically because I know it's something that you write about and like you're an NFT and stake pool, what do you call them, an SPO? Uh, like, a, yeah, I have officer. a... Officer. Yeah, I have these two uh, columns on the on the cryptonomist where I interview stake pool operators and also some NFT projects. And basically, I, I started with the stake pools because I wanted to learn about you know what what staking is. So I thought, okay, I'm going to interview these people. There are like three thousand stake pools, 
that means that you know Cardano is one of the most decentralized blockchains because you have so many people contributing to the validation of the blocks. And I, yeah, I started learning about the stake pools. There was one actually that I really resonated with, with which is uh, it's Biopool. It's the stake pool I'm an ambassador for. And I met Chris and Bea at the Cardano Summit last year, and they're amazing people. And they have similar values to mine. So I essentially, maybe in the future, I would want to open my own stake pool. But in the meantime, when people ask me like, okay, how do I stake? I'm like, look, you can open a wallet here. You can delegate to this pool. And besides the fact that you're earning your like ADA on your ADA, because that's, you know, by delegating your earn ADA, there are also different stake pools who have different missions. So for example, Biopool is all about the environment and mm -hmm. they, they share monthly reports of the donations they do to PETA, to Sea Shepherd, to different or, or environmental organization. So besides earning ADA on your, on your fund by delegating to them, you're also contributing to different causes. And there's so many different stake pools, some focus on art, some focus on, on, uh, you know, buildings a, a certain application so it's essentially like you're you have to learn about these people if you want to delegate your data to them and the best thing is it's everything is is custodial so it means that you're you're you keep your own funds by delegating them you don't lose access to them it's not something that you put your money in the bank and the bank can go away with them it's always in your uh, in your hands and i think that's pretty powerful in in the crypto space yeah. So in like real world, like layman's terms, we're talking about staking, but that's actually kind of just lending out your money and earning interest as if you're your own little mini bank. Mm. Stake, it's kind of. No? It's, it's, it's weird because this term has been thrown around a lot and there are certain um, lending platforms who call staking this, uh, but it, like your money is not being lent out to, any, to anyone when you're staking, for example, in a proof of stake block. It's just a way of showing that, okay, look, I have this amount of money. I believe in the protocol. I think it's something that works. I'm delegating this, this money to, to this stake pool because I believe in their vision. And that's, simply, that's, that's essentially just helping that stake pool to validate all these different blocks. So there's no, like that, that money is not used for anything, just sitting in your wallet and it's just being staked. So it's, it's analogous to like, if we're mining, you know, cryptocurrency, like mining Bitcoin or Ethereum, but instead of depending on the processing power you just go into this lottery where sort of like it's a fair way to have all these stake pools try to fight for the reward in a certain sense okay can you can you see like parallels between uh the way that nft projects are growing themselves now because a lot of them are having to kind of like justify themselves a little bit more and say look we're not just jpegs out on the blockchain we have all this kind of like business built up behind us we've got like things that we're working on we've got our values and do you think like nft projects are getting richer like in terms of like how much um they can offer the community instead of just being like money grabs which they mm -hmm. have got like a bit of a reputation for being yeah, I, I hear that a lot from, from people that are outside crypto and they're like, oh, yeah. look at these NFTs are just, you know, cash grab trying to get money from people. I think an important thing is obviously building a community. So I, I can give a couple of examples of, of some, for, I, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed uh, this NFT project on Cardano, it's called Earth Natives. And essentially what they do is they, they sold their collection of NFTs and a uh, cool, like the, the art looks really nice. But mm -hmm. then what they did with the profits is they, uh, went in like they have someone in South America and they worked with locals there and they started building houses for people that were you know they had their, they, they were living in disastrous, disastrous conditions and they were updating the community on Twitter like look you've you've came to be into this community you 
bought these NFTs, look what we're doing with the money. We're helping out people. And it's, everything's being documented and they're actually teaching their community about modular brick and all these different ways of building eco houses that are it's ecological. So I think it's it's that it's about you know trying to build a community around your project and have people that resonate with you. Uh, for example, there's another project I really like. It's called Ada Ninjas, and essentially what they've done is they um, they, they created this sort of anime manga characters. Yeah. They sold them out. They, they created actually a, a, a physical manga with like uh, the, the adventures of these different characters. Oh, yeah. And they actually sold the manga as a, as, a, as a physical piece, but also as an NFT. And here's also another use case of NFTs. Like if in the future, this project becomes really, really famous, you could have the first edition of the first you know collection. And to prove that it's actually your, and you, you've bought it at that time, you have the NFT to do that. So that's like a, a utility is a proof of ownership. So I think it's that, it's just finding the, the niche and trying to just you know build it up. Obviously it's quite hard because crypto in itself is a niche. So it's really hard. You know. <laughs> You're niching into a niche. Exactly. It's so it's, it's quite hard, yeah. Yeah, I understand that there are niches and niches, but the point is that we are in like, a very slow like bear market at the moment and you said before like this is the time to build and even if the projects that like it's not like power any project and it's just going to quickly sell out like it would have in the bull market but I think this is a good time to like show your values and just don't worry about it being like a slow community build and um, yeah you're just finding your own little tribe within the crypto space because um mm-hmm. like what other projects have you found that are, have you found any like specifically vegan ones or have you always found like the environmental side um is well supported in the crypto space or I think that so there's a especially in the current community there's a lot of talk about the environment a bit less about veganism and um you know you know how it goes with veganism it's it's a trigger word and you know it's really hard to talk about it. Um, and I think like it, it really touches something that is at the core of, of, of humans. Like, you know, we eat three times a day. We do it with the people we love. It's something that's really close to us. And if people start telling us, look, what you're doing is unethical, that tr- triggers a certain response. So people try to avoid because they don't want to feel that way. Uh, so whereas if, if we talk about the environment, it's something that touches us all because it's, you know, it's, we have only planets I think people are tending more towards that i think the the, the science is is catching up and people are realizing that you know reducing the consumption of meat and stuff like that it's it's quite uh, important uh there was this other project that i really like it's actually my my twitter profile it's uh, the images from this project essentially very tree is a as an organization they're planting trees uh, uh, most mostly in in africa i think the the ones that i because i contributed to the first sort of sale and what they were doing is like they wanted to do this challenge where they wanted to plant one million trees yeah and uh and planting one tree i think was costing one ada at the time so I, I thought, okay, I'm gonna. <laughs> and now it's like, <laughs> yeah, I was. A lot of trees. Uh, at the time, I was, uh, I, I was getting into the crypto space. So I had some NFTs that I managed to sell. So I had quite a lot of ADA. And I thought, okay, since I used uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum in the past, let me try to do something, plant some trees to sort of offset uh, my my past transactions. So I did that, <laughs> and the project is really cool because you can go on their website, you get a certification NFT that shows you the coordinates where the trees are planted. They update their 
their community about you know how the trees are going they can send you pictures um if there's a search, something like a, a fire or something that you get notified and you can know all these different things and th this is made possible because you can have a, a public ledger where you can store all that information and it's also a good way to avoid double counting like the tree planting industry there's this really big problem where they double count the trees so essentially on paper you have you know planted so many trees but in reality you haven't so they're trying to the, the company is called very tree and they're trying to um yeah use blockchain as a way to sort of you know offset uh, carbons and people can actually if they're trying to launch a project they can actually contact them and, and say to them look the calculation we need to offset this amount of carbon credits and stuff like that so yeah. uh they they help the people around so as you see, like NFTs is not only about, you know, JPEGs, there's different utilities you can, you can add to them. And uh, yeah, I think discrediting it by simply saying, oh, it's JPEGs and stuff like that is, I think it's not really productive, right? Like th there's this technology, like, I think I, I wasn't alive back then, but when the internet was coming out, I saw some videos of people saying, oh, I will never catch on. It's like, we, we've got the radio. <laughs> How old got... are you, Patrick? How old are you? Uh, I'm 27. Yeah. Yeah, you're oh. like, okay, I'm 34, but you're 27. Okay. So I mean, I grew you... up with the internet, like the beginnings of it. Uh, but what what noise stopped... did the internet make when you logged on? It made that, uh, yeah, that noise. Okay, there. okay, so we still know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. And if We're someone on was on the way. phone, when someone was on the phone, it was interrupting the connection. But okay, as, a, as a kid, when I was seeing that and I was seeing the first YouTube videos, I was like, yeah, this is definitely the future. Whereas I think, couple of years before that people were really skeptical and you know they were discrediting discrediting it as you know we, no one was, will, will use it and i think something similar is with blockchain and cryptocurrencies there's obviously going to be ups and downs and i have some friends that invested in cryptocurrencies a couple of months ago right during the hype and obviously they're you know at a ne negative now uh, whereas if you manage to stay in the space for a longer period of like four or five years you see that the money is only growing and if you manage to find a job in it it's even better because you grow with the industry yeah yeah 100 percent. there's there's quite a few points that i want to make about like the transparency and the open source nature of web3 because typically when you say if you are trying to support a cause or like for example that plant a tree thing i I'm involved with a one called Ecology in the UK. So whenever we sell a T-shirt, we plant a tree. Mm. But again, I don't really know what they're doing with it. I just kind of see my online digital forest. But now that we're getting this technology, we're able to look even closer in and there's like no hiding. And I think the younger generation, don't they want transparency. They want to know where their money goes. And Web3 allows us with the public ledgers to physically track where the money goes if we, if we, you know, if we're smart enough to follow all the wallets and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an extremely important point. And it's something that, that the younger people are, like they, they're demanding and they're getting because technology is keeping up with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because a... then you can, you know, you can hold people accountable for certain things. Like, I mean, th there are things happening in the world. Like, for example, some companies prefer to throw their waste uh, in, in nature and pay the fine because it's cheaper to pay the fine rather than 
try to find a way to get rid of that waste in an ecological way. And these things are like, why is this happening? And there are so many shady things happening in the background in the banking system, in the economic system, that uh, financial system that, you know, having this sort of transparency is very useful. Obviously, you don't want it to go that even, you know, know the content of every people, every person's wallet. So, for example, Cardano is working on a digital identity solution where your funds are, for, for example, connected to your digital identity, but you're not disclosing it like everything publicly, but you have the possibility to disclose stuff. For example, I don't know, your medical records. You, if, a, if a hospital requests you to share your medical records, you can give that hospital the opportunity to know only, for example, your age, your your different history, medical history, but without disclosing, I don't know, the funds you're holding or the NFTs you're holding. So there's different these intricacies that go on. And I think the people that are building on Cardano or thinking about these these things because they want to build a platform that actually works in the long term and their philosophy is all about taking it slow and you know doing things right rather than the you know the silicon valley way of move fast break things and i think a lot of crypto projects adopted that 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 philosophy and now we see all these different hacks and all these different things going wrong because you cannot break things when there's so much value going around you know mm. it's it's important so if if there's value and there's people's money in it go slow and, and and do it you know the right way no yeah i think that's a really important message i did read the values on the um, on the website for cardona and i think it's well you, i mean it's it's been beautifully written as like a mission statement which is quite a cool thing for a, for a blockchain to have isn't it and it's like yeah it just it does hold them accountable because then the people who are putting their money there can just keep referencing that and saying, are you being true to what you told us in the beginning? And just keep reiterating that. Do you think they're trying to phase themselves out and have it like completely, is there a possibility to be even more decentralized or does there always need to be somebody at the head of it kind of steering it? Or do you think there's a way that they can work themselves out of it? So it's just the I think in uh, in in Cardano, it's something that is definitely planned. Like they're they're steering it now. The you know, um, I, uh, Charles Hoskinson from Input Output. Then there's the Cardano Foundation. I think at the beginning there were these three entities. It was uh, Input Output, uh, Cardano Foundation, and Emergo, and they were sort of like dividing uh, different tasks to build the the protocol. But now we're arriving at this, I think, fifth phase of the of, of the roadmap, which is the one I was saying, Voltaire. And what they want to do is essentially have a governance protocol where if someone wants to make a change in the protocol they have to propose it's called a sip it's a cardano improvement proposal i think that they have it on bitcoin bitcoin improvement proposal and ethereum improvement proposal so whenever someone improve proposes something like this, then the community can see, okay, this is actually interesting. This might actually help, you know, the blockchain grow. So let's vote on it. And I think that that's a, a really good way to go forward. And there's also the, um, the Cardano treasury, like they have a lot of amount of ADA and essentially what they, what they're doing with it is they have this thing called project catalyst. And it's a way for people to, for example, if I have a project in mind, I can go to project catalyst, I can propose it. I can write a white paper. I can, you know, show what I've done already. And then there's, I think now it's the fund 10 going on or something, I think fund nine. And essentially what the community can do is vote on the projects with their ADA. So the more ADA you have, the more voting power you have. And I think it's it's just like, 
it should be this way because the more you know skin in the game you have i think the more influence you would have on the blockchain and you would want it to succeed because it's your funds uh, that are on the line so there's I, I actually interviewed a couple of projects that managed to get funding through project catalyst and i think it's it's a really beautiful way because the community voting and the the funds from the treasurer coming out from from the cardano um treasury and it's it's this is already a decentralized way of funding right um so i think that that's that's uh, that's already going on but as far as sort of i th i think at this moment they're still um they're still steering it right there's they still have most of the control over the the blockchain but from what i've been hearing there is like the roadmap says that they're gonna sort of leave it there and it will be just its own life form if for example yeah. something happens to hoskins so tricky isn't it yeah, yeah. it's like you, you they must start these things and then it's just completely develops like a little monster and you're just trying to like keep keep it on track and make sure it doesn't get corrupted along the way <laughs> or like yeah and i think yeah. that's why community is really important and like from the interactions i had with the community it's like all amazing people like i i've interviewed over i think 60 stakeholder operators wow. and not one of them was like you know not one of them was like an unpleasant uh, interaction it was like everyone was gentle and and you know having a chat and we, we're all in this together because we we see it as a potential like obviously there's the, the aspect that all oh, prices go up and down but i think if you're in cardano you're essentially not looking at that anymore you're you're seeing okay i've got this amount of ada and it stays that amount like obviously it, it fluctuates but in the long run i think it's it's, it's irrelevant yeah what, what do you think to can, can you talk about i'm not sure how much knowledge you have on the subject but like so it's not like all cryptocurrencies are infallible. Like they do have vulnerabilities that we didn't even anticipate. So for example, like the lunar crash and stuff, that was, is that thought to be a giant hack? And could any kind of like drastic thing like that happen to anything in Cardona, even though you think it's quite impenetrable? But um, I think like, I'm not, not, I don't know like the, the details of what happened with Terra. Like from what I've understood is essentially like they, they were offering a high, really high yield. I think on a stable coin, it was like 20%. And it's, mm -hmm. it's not a, it's like, it's not sustainable. Like something has to be happening in the background to, to allow people to get much money. And people were like pouring money into it because it wasn't a cryptocurrency, it was a stable coin. So its value was supposed to be to pegged to $1. Uh, the fact is it was an algorithmic stable so it was using a mechanism to balance the price and a lot of people were, were warning about it before like i've never gotten into the project because i was you know too focused on cardano and you know <laughs> a believer in that project but i i always heard around like you know be, beware of terra beware of luna and stuff like that and what happened was there was essentially a bank run so people started to withdraw their funds and the funds were in there to withdraw so there was like a liquidity crisis mm. and uh, that's something similar that happened with with celsius recently and now recently with uh, i think voyager all the different apps is essentially since the prices of cryptocurrency were going down they were overexposed to all these different protocols and they were getting liquidated here and there and that essentially like the, the value sort of is is gone so these things, I mean, happen if there's this sort of like, okay, let's do something really fast and let's hype up things. They were doing really, really a lot of marketing. And I think like with Cardano, there's the fact, okay, there's a strong community. So even if the prices are going down, there's like, they're reluctant to sell like everything uh, because they believe in a long-term project. And on the other hand, I think what they're doing with the different protocols, they're going through the peer review process. So before right. implementing 
in their in their protocol they're like writing a paper this paper is being reviewed by different universities i think one i think professor agilos he's he's writing a lot of the, the code for for cardano he's from the university of edinburgh and they're you know going back and forth and checking all these different things and they they recently with the collaboration of coti i think they wrote a a, um, a paper about algorithmic stables and there's apparently it's, it's coming out later this year they're obviously now very careful about launching something like this because there's a lot of you know negativity around algorithm stable coins but i think if if the protocol is set up correctly and people have really thought about it like okay let, let's see what would happen if this happened let's see if what would happen if the price went really up really down and stuff like that and they use probably you know different simulations to to check it and if it remains stable then it could be a good mechanism uh, because the other aspect is the stable coins that are centralized which essentially like, for example, USDT or USDC, these companies have to have dollars in banks in order to yeah. issue this the stable coin. So you're essentially mm-hmm. um, having to put your trust in, in these companies. Uh, so I think there isn't now a, a really reliable like stable coin solution in the crypto space. And I think that's why people are sort of you know, worry, wary of the of all the space because if, if your value goes up and down, that's not a good store of value. Yeah. Um, just before all of that happened, I was reading about in the UK, our chancellor, um, he's actually putting a lot of money and effort into cryptocurrencies and Web3 in the UK. And there was talk of all like the G, it's probably like G8 now, all the all of the countries like having their own like pegged stable coins, basically. Like, like I think by- CBDC, right? Mm, I think so. And it was just like from the like a, a government's own one, but it's kind of like it's a bit jarring because it's like I don't really want to I don't know. Having like we're trying to get away from like centralized economies and things like that. And then your own little individual governments are gonna have their own cryptocurrencies. Um I, I think know, th- there's something something odd there. Yeah, that but I that, that might be that. just uh, uh like a transition period. So if for example if it will probably happen like governments will spin up their own version of a cryptocurrency uh, they refer to them as central bank digital currencies and that will essentially help people learn more about crypto so they're they'll manage to download their wallet they'll be able to send this cbdc and actually it might like make things quicker because banks today they you know can take a couple of days to to process transactions so i think it will be a transitory phase and then i think with the awareness of people and looking around at different because it's easy for us to say in in europe and poland and in the uk like okay there's nothing really bad happening with our government like why shouldn't we trust it but then you go to i don't know venezuela or these different places or turkey now they're really they're getting hit by really high inflation and people are losing a lot of their funds and it's like they they were trusting the government they were trusting their bank but mm. you know their money's gone so what happened there and then you start realizing okay if if people like if governments have control over the the monetary supply they can print more money they can you know do different things for example now in, in the us in the couple last years they printed like so much more money compared to what they printed in the past and now the effects of inflation are being felt people are saying like oh look stuff is like the prices of bread and that is going up and it's and even just saying it this way, it's not that the price is going, like the value of the piece of bread is essentially the same. It's just your money is, is losing yeah. purchasing power. Mm. Um, so I think 
it, for example, CBDCs, if they manage to keep the same policies as fiat currencies, they will still have problems, you know, inflation or all these different things. Whereas with a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or Cardano, where the supply is fixed, it's deflationary. Uh, there's no way to print more Bitcoin or print more Cardano. Like it's it's written in the protocol and you can trust the protocol. Uh, so I think that, I, I don't know, I feel much safer having, you know, my funds diversified a bit of you know mm. euro a bit in cryptocurrencies and stuff like that because you don't really know what might happen yeah um, this is a scary yeah. space to be in and to like kind of one once other people like family members and friends it just comes up in conversation that you're in this space then they're naturally going to ask your advice and my advice is always like trying to be like do your own research but they always like what are you into then and I'm like oh I don't really want to tell you because if you follow me in here then I'm like a bit responsible for where you're putting your money but you should be doing your own research but yeah it's tricky but it's just like there there might be some things with the government um currencies where they can either track what you're spending the money on or they can limit what you're spending the money on so that's the kind of authoritarian thing that i'm a little bit scared of happening to like more vulnerable people in society who don't know how to like hedge their bets and you know they're, they're just not as aware so yeah i think there's there's always room for manipulation in these kind of things but yeah i think we just got to do our best patrick just keep yeah. ourselves educated read Read yeah, and I know them. what you mean with with you know telling people around because I I've been in this space a lot and some people saw that you know I was managing to to get some some more value out of out of it and you know they asked started asking you know tips and stuff like that and recently for example I uh, I don't know if you followed all the Celsius thing that happened but I I had some money on Celsius I thought it was a, an interesting way of of utilizing crypto because I was thinking, okay, one thing is to have your own wallet. You have access to your funds and you have to write down the seed. You have to be yeah. really careful. And I think for, for me, that's something that's intuitive and I know how to do it. But for an average user, like my mom, for example, something like Celsius or Revolut or all these different apps, it's much easier for them to just send money because you just have, you know, you tap a couple of times and send money. So I was, you know, saying, telling people, look, Celsius, I think it, it seems a really good uh, company i've listened to alex Minsky a lot but then it happened like they, they had a liquidity crisis and i i felt disappointed in myself but at the same time i was like oh no i told some people to put some money in there because they were earning some interest and so i totally get what you were saying like it it, it hurts because you're not you're you know you don't want to tell people look in this look into that so i'm really careful with that as well and as you said it's like do your own research but at the same time people don't have the time to to do the research they have so many different problems in their life Mm. So I think like it's good for us maybe to be early adopters and as soon as it will everything will be much more stable, you'll have the means to, you know, look, I've been here a lot. I can tell you how to use this stuff and, and essentially teach them. Um, because it's not only about having like your money grow because the value of cryptocurrencies grows, but it's also once the system is in place, you can have so many different beautiful things. For, for example, something that really excites me is um, with, with a, a system based on blockchain, you can start, for example, uh, lending money to people in the Philippines or in Africa or, or whenever where, where they can, for example, set their digital identity. They can ask for a loan by saying, look, I want to buy a piece of land because I want to grow some crops. And essentially in a system like this, there's actually a centralized system called Kiva that does it. But basically what you're doing is you're sending this, this loan to this person with the 
like you don't have the promise that it will get back to you. But that person that takes the loan out of you, he can start building a financial reputation. So he, for example, can get your money, he can plant his, his crops, he grows them, he sells them, he repays your loan, and that is connected to, to his digital identity. He can start building a reputation. Yeah. If, he, if he does that, he can in the future ask for a bigger loan and, and go on and go on. Whereas if someone doesn't repay a loan, their financial reputation goes down and people won't be you know, keen on lending them money. And this can be enabled in a you know, decentralized way. I can go on a website that someone sets up and someone's asking money to grow, I don't know, mangoes or stuff like that. And I can fund that, that activity. And if me, he pays me back, good. Then I'll be more keen to, you know, giving him more money. And this is like, irrespective of the, of the value of cryptocurrencies going up and down, it's a beautiful system. Like you don't have to rely on banks. You don't have to rely on, on intermediaries and stuff like that. Mm. Do you think it's also like a really good leveler? Because basically we're born into these Western countries by pure luck. We had no say in it and it is privilege. It's leveling the field across the world because we're like lucky to just be in, born in Western countries. And we've got, we just didn't even realize that other people don't have, um, yeah, they won't be able to open up their own bank accounts as easily and build that financial reputation that you're talking about. So it's kind of like leveling it for a lot of people. And if they have got access to the internet, which I know a lot of people don't, but as soon as they get access to the internet, then they can self-educate and then they can just, you know, they can interact with the rest of the world a little bit easier instead of having to be, you know, persecuted just because, and marginalized just because they, they weren't, happen to be born into like a Western culture and have that education that we, that we kind of like don't even take we take for granted now yeah, so, yeah. and i think mm-hmm. like something that charles Hoskins and the Cardano community often says is that with something like uh, like a blockchain you can essentially give access to everyone whether it's bill gates or a farmer in in rural africa you can give the same access. obviously as you, as you said you need the internet connection and there's actually like different projects going around. For example, Elon Musk is trying to, to you know, give connection yeah. through Starlink. Uh, there's also this other project on Cardano called World Mobile and they're trying to, they, they started out in Zanzibar where they're, they're giving people uh, connection and yeah, it's, it's working like they're, and they also have their sort of like uh, way of, of uh, using the blockchain to, for example, transact the data that you haven't used. So, for example, if at the end, at the end, at the end of yeah, the month you, you haven't used, it. yeah, you, ha- you haven't used your data, you can sort of donate it to someone in Africa. Because, like, what, what are you going to do? Whereas today we have so many like people that don't use the, all the 10 gigabytes or 20 gigabytes, uh, and you cannot do anything with it. Whereas with a system that's like uh, you know on blockchain and 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 manages to to transact all these different things, that might be possible. So, just me using my internet here and not using all the gigabytes, I can donate it. Africa who might actually use it and the other thing is it's amazing because like we're we're getting into this world where we can work from home like I've been working from home from four years and I could actually do it anywhere so imagine people for example in, in, in rural Africa or somewhere in Asia where they manage to get an internet connection they manage to save up some money to do a graphic design course or a video you know editing course and they can actually start get, getting value in their country through the internet. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that really, as you said, is leveling the playing field and will give you know equal access to to the financial system for everyone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely. So also, another quick thing that you said earlier was like we're early in this space, and it kind of like kind of feels early. But you've been in it for like about five years. Do you still feel like people coming into it now in the last year are early? 
like it feels like you, you must be pretty established and know no, no I, I, I mean, I obviously when I was getting into it, I, I thought that in one or two years, everything is going to the moon. And I had that as sort of expectation. <laughs> uh, and that's why I got burned in the first uh, cycle where I, I didn't sell at the top. And even in this cycle, I didn't sell on the top. I managed to get some money out, but most of it has just stayed there and went down with me. Um, so, yeah, it's then you start realizing it's, it's all about cycles. So it's going up and down, up and down until the point where it stabilizes. So when I'm saying that we're early, it's like we're still experiencing these really uh, you know, strong moves. And I mean, we are accelerating as a society. We're adopting things in a much quicker way because we, we grew up with technology. So that helps us to learn much faster. So I think it won't take as long as, for example, the internet, because that took quite a while. But I think... I mean, it depends where you look. For example, maybe for Bitcoin, you're, it's not that early anymore because Bitcoin has been around 10 years. But if you look at other projects or even the, the application of the technology, so something like NFTs, it has so much like use cases now. And I think so many that are, haven't been discovered yet that if people really get into them, then that would be the, the best time would be now. You know, yeah. I think was was the saying, the best time is yesterday, the second best time is now or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I think from that perspective from that perspective is early and uh yeah i think so awesome thank you patrick um are there any last words that you want to give as advice to people who are trying to get into like ethical projects um uh, or like literally what if this video was their first experience of anything to do with web3 and cardona like what would be the first thing that you tell them to do I'd say just try to consume as much content as possible. And, you know, there's so many different, you know, there's YouTube, there's podcasts and stuff like that. And even if you don't understand, like if you understand only 10% of what has been said, like don't give up, just look the next video and you'll understand 20% and go on and go on. And I think the, the best thing is first to realize why is it why it has the potential to to change the world because then that's the key motivator to keep you going because obviously if you're just listening to you know us talking here and oh look they're talking about these different fancy words but like what actually what's actually the potential for it so i think that would be the best thing and there's i i'd recommend anyone to watch uh, charles hoskinson ted talk i think it's called the future is decentralized and it's from i think 2015 so even back then he was already sort of explaining the vision he had for the space and i think cardano is, is, is what he has been focusing on and there are obviously different blockchains there's algorand from mit uh from professor silvio micali he's he's a i think he's a, he was a nobel laureate and so they're really, you know, big minds working these things. It's just, um, uh, um, it's just a question of going past the, you know, the speculation and all the hype and all these different, because th there is a lot of ugly stuff mm. going on in the, in the crypto space. A lot of people losing money to hacks and stuff like that. But I think taking it slowly time, uh, like video after video, and it's hard because if you're taking it slowly and you want to be early, it's, it's a bit of a, uh, of a, you know, you have to find a balance. Um, yeah so yeah no I think that's really good like not buying into the absolute first project that you hear about is probably the best advice that I would be able to give her as well just like ease up it is incredibly exciting but just learn about maybe five or six projects um, and then maybe start very slowly investing but it's also not investing all of your money it's just what you can afford to lose and like yeah at the beginning until you, until the, you understand it. 
Yeah, that's the thing, the, the most common thing people say in these videos is like, invest how much you can afford to lose. Like if, if I lost all this money I have until now, I would still have a job. I would still manage to pay my bills. Uh, some people are selling houses to buy into this stuff and they, you know, it's not a really good idea. No. Um, so definitely. And I obviously wanted to thank you for your having me on. I'm, oh, no. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what, what you're building as well, because I think it's, it's an interesting way of, of building a community. And if we manage to get vegans into the crypto space, I think that that sort of lays the foundations for a strong and even resourceful vegan community that then has the you know funds to open more vegan businesses or do more exactly. activism, for example. Like in my case, uh, my activism really exploded when I managed to get into this space because I had more money, which means more time and more peace of mind in a certain sense. Mm. Uh, so definitely. I really like that. Yeah, thank you very much, Patrick. Well, I'll obviously keep you updated and um, yeah, we met on Twitter, so I'm obviously following you now. So yeah, I'll follow your journey and maybe get you on another, a later date when everything's changed and we've all got different opinions. And <laughs> Probably, viewpoints. this space changes so fast. Yeah, okay. Awesome, I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, Cheers. have a great one.